Ah, welcome back. Uh, I'm so interested in greeting our new guest that I almost missed my cue. It's uh, Elite Business Live day two, and uh, we are joined uh, down the line by Danny Stefanik from mootup.com and, uh, and by our other brilliant guests, who I think we should give a round of applause just for being with us here in the studio live. Uh, it's very good for a start to see that Ketan Makwana exists in real <laughs> life. I thought you would move to the metaverse, Ketan. You are, uh, I am here. Your excellent reputation procedure. It's lovely to see you in person. Um, in, 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 in recent news, well, we'll, 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 come to, we'll come to all of this uh, in, in a second, Ketan, but really lovely to see you. Uh, Namisha Brambat, thank you so much for being with us, Namisha. Pleasure. Um, your career, fascinating. You've worked with FTSE 100, Fortune 500, startups, SMEs, charities, the lot. The lot, yes. The entire landscape. So where do you feel most at home? Um, in the convergence of all of it. Yeah. So exactly what Danny was talking about, you know, all of these worlds are going to collide in some way. So for me personally, it's really about understanding how that world can service more of a tech for good purpose. Yeah. And tell, you can tell us who's learning from who in this conversation as well. Thank you, Namisha. Um, Gavin, uh, Northern Europe Director of UiPath. So this is making software robots so people don't have to be robots. I'm intrigued. What's happening? <laughs> UiPath. Yeah, OK, thank you. So UiPath is all about something called human achievement and trying to drive human achievement. There are many things that all of us do in our daily lives that we probably would wish something else could do it for us, yeah? right. namely a software robot. Okay? Right. And what this allows us to do is the value-add activities in our life, whether it's our, our domestic life, whether it's our business life. It frees us up. Exactly, yeah, yeah. from the mundane. Because on the robots, we hear about stuff that's too dull, too dirty, too dangerous. Is that a sort of a checklist? <laughs> too, too dull and I'll go no further. Yeah, OK, fine. <laughs> that's the dirty we had that yeah. yesterday. OK. okay. Oh, really? OK. <laughs> not from um, me. Well, Ketan, not from you. Um, Ketan, when I think of you, I think initially of Enterprise Lab, yep. uh, sort of amazing global development agency, but more recently, 77 Ventures. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, obviously the pandemic has impacted everyone in, in, a, um, in specific ways. So after coming out of COVID or having COVID early 2021, I felt that um, I wanted to still do more things um, out there. but just wasn't giving myself permissions for that. Yeah. Um, so the summer of uh, 2021, we decided to do some research into the creative industries and we could see that they were heavily underrepresented and supported. And that's where 77 was born. So uh, we are here to support the, 70, uh, the, the creative industries and look at the metaverse as well. And where does the number come from, 77? I was born in 77. Snap. I thought it might be. <laughs> there you go. Vintage year, vintage year. Uh, no, thank you, Kevin. Thank, thanks for everything that you're doing. Uh, well, sort of Danny's, um, and you caught some of Danny's conversation, I could see in the room. So I just wondered, Amisha, a brief reflection on what we've heard so far, just to sort of help, help me draw these strands together. <laughs> I mean, I think for most of you who are here today, you're obviously you know, running a business. And I think there's a lot of what Danny said is valuable. But the most important thing I think you need to focus on is how do you translate your brand story from this web world into this metaverse? Because you, know, you heard Danny say it at the end, traffic and getting people into that space is ultimately what's going to return your investment. So 
you really need to think about how do you translate your brand story into this virtual space where people are going to experience and interact with it much more in a tactile way yeah. than they would, you know, other than if they came to you in a physical presence. So you have an opportunity to really change the way your customer perceives you, but ultimately that success in, is how you translate that brand story into this space. All right. Well, I'm sort of harvesting initial thoughts at this point. I'll bring you back in. Don't worry, uh, Danny. Um, Gavin, initial thoughts, because you were all, I know, riveted yeah. by what Danny was saying. Tell me. Yeah, so I thought, firstly, it was a fantastic presentation. Thank you. Really clear, really concise, real actionable points, which is what we need in any innovation of technology. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think this is about how we make it transactional. Okay, so if you think of the metaverse and everything it can be, particularly I'm very interested, like you, Danny, around the business side of it. What can we do for our clients as they approach this? Because this is definitely something that's accelerating forward uh, very quickly. So how do you make it transactional? And when I say transactional, yeah. this is about how you bring services into it. So people like Nike have started by massive real estate in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. What are they going to want to do that? End-to-end -end retail experience. And tell us a bit about that. What, what sort of stuff are they up to? Yeah, so companies like Nike are obviously they're in the incubation phase, but they're thinking if you look at the demographics today, it's clear that society is increasing towards digital. Okay, this is something we're accelerating towards and obviously the safeguards and everything that must be there. Yeah. But how do we take services and make it transactional? And ju just okay. the, uh, sorry, so let me give, for, for, for me on yeah, what let you me mean give by you, transactional. Yeah. Okay, so this is about how you go into a virtual environment and you will look at the virtual wares, but how you then deploy that into the physical world of the goods that you may buy in that virtual world. Mm. Okay, so you think about supply chain. Okay. You think about technology. Hold, yeah. hold that thought. Ketan, let's get okay. some initial reflections. Thank you, Gavin. <laughs> this is good. Thank you. Uh, I love the presentation. I think it, it really kind of sings in. I think the most, most important thing for anyone out there to really understand and appreciate that is if you look about five years ago, there was a whole push about getting online, getting your business to have a website. Yeah. You know, even the UK government were kind of initiating this. You're at that space again. Now, this is, this is this is like almost building a new website, a new world within within yourself. So don't become... So, so insular about it and become scared about the technology and the jargon and stuff. Think a, a little bit like uh, what the panel has been saying here already at the moment about what it means to you, how you would fare within, uh, within this new world, and what is it that you want to achieve out yeah. of it. I think that's the most important thing that you've got to pull onto this. Don't look at what someone else is doing, make it about yourself. All right, so, so two things. Firstly, if I go with the Japanese beer example, mm. that distinction between build your own bar and build your own bottle and go and raise a glass with whoever in the world, because those are different approaches, it strikes me, Ketan. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, each to their own in this respect. I mean, 77 is currently involved in a, in a project to build a hybrid arena here in East London. Mm. And why? Um, this is bringing a concept of vertical cinemas from Paris. Yep. The whole idea of this is, is to create an environment where you can have live or digital um, virtual experiences. Yep. Now, um, who comes into that world? Would, it's, it's really so That's a really important crossover, though, isn't yeah. it? And that bridges the two, doesn't it, in Correct. terms of hospitality, partnership, collaboration. Mm -hmm. Danny, I put it to you, let's take a totally different example around community. Um, <coughs> you know, if, if I said to you, Danny, the secret 
of community in terms of fostering relationships, conversations, is to think about transactions. I'm not sure many community leaders would agree with that. So why, why is the metaverse different if you think it is? Well, that's actually quite interesting. Uh, the, we, oh. we work in the events industry and um, there's been a huge shift in virtual events. Uh, during the pandemic, it was basically, let's get people online to go to a virtual event and uh, then the event happens and then we're done and dusted. Yeah. But really, the, the shift now has happened to treating those events as a growing your community. So instead of people being event managers anymore, they're going to be community managers. They are building touch points with their audience and yep. that needs to be happening on a consistent or semi-consistent basis. And there needs to be follow through and tracking and building on those um, communities. So I think the, the virtual worlds or the metaverse really leads itself well to engaging that community and bringing them in. Uh, so, and I, I see so that Danny, as- this is this is this is very clear. Thank you. So, so what do you say? And I won't caricature Gavin's point here, but what do you say to someone who says, "Look, our metaverse um, presence isn't about transaction. It isn't even about sales. It's something much softer. Mm. It's about goodwill. It's about mm. relationships." Now, clearly, the two the two yeah. link. But Gavin, I'll bring bring you back in. But Danny, just give me your take on that, because because there is a tension there. Yeah, I think look, anything that you're doing digitally, you want to be able to track and see how the impact is going. And so, you know, whether it's a customer journey or something else, you really want to be able to see how that um, person is going through your experience. And so okay. that, that for me is the transaction phase. There's many transactions all along that journey that can right. be uh, tracked. Right, Gavin, I've exasperated you already. We're only 10 minutes in, but tell me. No, no, no. So I don't think... It's either or, uh, it's all those things. Uh -huh. So let me tell you a little bit about in our organization. So we use virtual reality actually, and we've used it quite a lot for immersive uh, immersion events. Uh -huh. So we have um, immersive lads in Singapore, for example, great international hub for airports. And actually we have people come in virtually to that. Uh -huh. And that's a collaboration environment. Okay, yeah. that's um, a softer approach in yeah. Danny's words. Then actually, if you think about it, just in the internet, you will want to have that on a broader scale, such as events. I've been to virtual events, they work really well. But obviously, there is a commercial world here, and a lot of the customers that we will be serving will want that transactional as well. Yes. Now, it may change. Yeah, no, it may evolve over time as well, and yeah. that's right for it to do so. But I think we need to look at it holistically, not an either-all approach. Got it. So, so what we're going to do, everyone, we're going to switch it up a bit, and I'm going to get some questions. If you've got a question in the, in the studio, please raise a hand, and I will come to you. I see you. Um, how about the downsides? We're very sort of, this, is, this has been positive, but um, downsides of the metaverse. Uh, Namisha. I think it's just like the internet, right? I mean, the best example I can use is social media. We've seen how pervasive that is in our lives. We can never get off it. And we've also seen the knock-on effect of what that has on people's mental health over a period of time. Got it. So we also have to have that in consideration when we're building this Web 3.0 or metaverse around what is the impact on people's mental health of either being in it or out it or however that works. Mm. What, what else? What other downsides? <clears throat> I think you could fail. You could see a lot of a lost investment as a business if you've genuinely not understood how you want to translate that experience yeah. into that space. Mm. So I think that's something to consider too. And, and very briefly, forgive me, sort of very pithily, because we're going to get through much, many more questions. Ketan, just 
down, downsize, watch outs. Very quickly, uh, vulnerability, scams, um, and really we are still at the early stage of understanding what this world's all about. Yeah. So there are going to be mistakes and people are, you've got to be affordable or you've got to afford that mistake more than anything else. I think right. don't be put off by it. I guess another thing, building on Namisha's observation about like the internet quote, um, safety, but also inclusion. Yes. not leaving potentially millions of people behind. Danny, I see you nodding on that. Just talk to me a bit about inclusion. How do we not wake up in 10 years and say, well, 3 billion people couldn't even join in? Yeah, super important. Uh, I'm working with a company called Interprefy to bring in many languages uh, into our experiences. But also it's about reaching people in other countries with different devices and different bandwidth capabilities uh, is really important. And that's just where the web technology allows that to happen, uh, whereas the you know, games and other types of um, experiences which require very powerful hardware or great connections aren't so much. So this is where the web-based metaverse is actually winning in diversity and inclusion. Uh, yeah. So it, it's something that's uh, pretty exciting. So is it so? So Danny, then is it, is it winning though? Because what what's the lowest tech that I can use to join the metaverse as is? Because I don't want everyone to go off with a headset in mind and a sort of yeah, you know sure. full fibre broadband. Well, let's assume you're in Africa and you're using a mobile device on a limited connection. Uh, if you can load a web page into your browser and use uh, audio for a call then that's enough to get you on board. So we have people joining with uh, 3G mobile connections. We've had people join on aircraft. We've had people join using their um, their browser on the dashboard of their Tesla. I mean, it's accessible in, in so many places. And that yeah, is the beauty of the web. On, on the dashboard, not, not, on the, not on the roof, hopefully not. Okay, so, 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 so thank you. Kim, can we come down? Brilliant entrepreneur, campaigner, uh, RS Tech. Kim, please everyone that's absolutely blown my mind i have to say um we're in the space we've built some voice technology that's been built and created specifically for reading for literacy i'd love to know how this is going to fit with education because for me it seems like an absolutely perfect place for this technology to exist so that was per first part of the question and then it's like, how do you encourage customers to buy in when, you know, you've got people like me that are pretty tech savvy mm. that really don't understand too much or understand a lot more than I did half an hour ago, <laughs> you know, um, around how do you encourage them yeah, to kind of get involved? So, so, so let's, let's hold the, the, the second question. But on the first, why don't you give your sort of, uh, you know, elevator pitch for what the app does and we'll see how uh, Namisha's brain sparks initially and then we'll riff around it. <laughs> no pressure, sorry. For you. <laughs> <laughs> Only because there's probably no one you haven't worked with. <laughs> <laughs> so it, in essence, we've, we've literally built a speech recognition uh, engine that's been created and modelled for reading, unlike... Um, your series and your, your 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 katanas and so on, which have been a kind of command and control. Ours is very much uh, focused on reading. It literally listens to to people, humans, as they read, focusing initially on children. Mm. Right. So, well, it raises a question in in a minute for you, Danny. Is the metaverse? Does the metaverse have an age limit? So, so we'll think about that. But we should just. Uh, how are you thinking about this? If you're talking about accessibility in terms of how do you get more people to utilize that product within the metaverse, I think you really have to go back to why did you create it in the first place? So you start from there and think, well, if my consumer is now in this virtual world, 
where is the natural place for them to experience that. So that's, a, that's one of the places you could start. But typically, I feel like, based on what you do, you're already running a community around this. So your community will tell you what they want in that space. And if you start there, you can start to bring more people in because to me, the metaverse is essentially the next step up for most people who run communities because everybody's already there and they're wanting this heightened level of interaction. Presumably, so I would start there. Forgive, forgive me, Namisha. Presumably, the other theory says that if your community doesn't tell you what they want, then there could be a role for education. Absolutely. Or is that, is that I don't no, want to be patronizing to the no, customer. No, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Danny, what do you think on age range? Because, you know, uh, you know, there's such an opportunity to embrace creativity in young people, <laughs> and yet already people will have seen red lights. Yeah, age is uh, actually having run a team-based virtual world in the US, I can tell you it's a, it's a huge challenge. But essentially you should dial up or down the amount of interaction that you allow plus the amount of moderation that you need to control what's going on. Uh, so you can't just have the Wild West and uh, basically let anyone come in uh, without any moderation if you're targeting a smaller, uh, sorry, a younger audience age. Uh, so there, there, there are serious considerations. But again, most of that exists in the way that we set up standards um, like copper and other standards for managing uh, youth online. So isn't there is precedent. Forgive me, Danny. Isn't the natural conclusion of the rules of the metaverse that you went through one by one that it cannot and will not be policed? I can't see any other conclusion from the rules you set out. No, just like any website, you can determine who has access, who can go in and out, and you can moderate uh, and re reject that's again, accounts. That's not, rule, that's not what rule number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven say, though, is it? <laughs> It was that it is the next evolution of the internet. By definition, everybody's invited. Yeah. It must include everybody. That, that's literally the opposite of what you've said, Danny. So anyone can go and create a website. They can go and create their own opportunity on top of the web technology that exists. Uh, but yeah. that doesn't mean they're uh, welcomed into other uh, websites or communities. Yeah. That might be uh, pay gates or um, authentication of your age uh, gateways. All of yeah. those things can be leveraged. Really that doesn't mean you no, can go you. everywhere. No, 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 that, that is very, very clear. Uh, let's, let's have other observations and questions. I see you, sir. I'm looking around. Thank you. I'm looking for other offers here. Let's come across. Michael, because we heard from you yesterday, we'll go just here and we'll come back if we have time. Jamie. Hi, uh, Jamie Hamer, commercial leader. Um, I'm wondering about meeting length online. I guess this is primarily the end of Danny. Like, is a, what, is the, uh, what are the trends you're seeing? What yeah. is a good meeting length? And, and is it mirroring the real world or not? Interesting. Does anyone um, have a strong view on this? Wants to come in, please. <laughs> I, I personally feel it, we shouldn't really think about what's the right size of meeting length. Because in some cases, you may want a, a three-hour meeting. In other cases, you may want a, a four-day festival. Mm. I mean, think of things like Coachella, for example. Coachella are now bringing NFTs in to create lifetime memberships to their festivals. They have four-day gigs yeah. in the metaverse. And on the 18th of November, I was uh, privileged enough to do some work on Justin Bieber's concert in, in the metaverse. And that was only a 20-minute experience. But if we start to put parameters on saying this is good or this is ideal, this is what a meeting should be, you are then kind of engaged to say, if we go five minutes over the 10 minutes, 
that we've predicted this is not good for. All right, that's a, that's a cool take. Am I allowed to say I've never wanted a three-hour meeting? Is that allowed? <laughs> no, would you forgive me, Ketan? <laughs> Maybe with you over lunch. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm just going to switch it up in the interest of time. Michael, if we race down to you, but a provocative question, which we can continue to have yeah, a view hi, on. I'm Michael, um, Director of Analysis Unlimited. My question actually goes in regard of UX. Well, it took us now around 20 years that UX as a discipline was developed and been used by many. And, the most and you're talking about user experience. User experience, yeah. yes. And the fact is that most businesses still not adopt that they cannot afford it. So how would you see when we add now the 3D aspect, so the third dimension into that, how far would the complexity grow in this discipline and be adopted? by businesses. Mm. Great question. Gavin, do you want to have a crack? Yeah, it's a really difficult one to answer, as you know, <laughs> because um, as technology involves, then obviously the commercialization of it and the, um, the, the adoption of it make sure that the economics come. So in a previous world, I was in Adobe, actually, and we're at the forefront, a lot of the UX. And it is difficult because 3D bringing into that is going to bring a really enhanced. So, I guess it's about making sure that we have the right incubation, we have the right innovation, we have that on a world basis, and we're trying to drive down the commercialization of it and make sure the adoption is wider. But it's a really tricky, it's a really tricky area, and one that I noodled in my, uh, in my previous life quite well. So, 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 so why, why don't, why don't um, as we look for other questions in the room and online, why don't I make it even trickier for you, Gary? Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> in the future, yeah. what are humans going to do because robots, robots can do every, anything, can't they? So what, what you know, really. have we got, not really. Right, so what, what, what can a robot do that a human, yeah. oh, well, what can, a, what, can a, what can a human do that a robot can't? Yeah, so if you think about where we are today, a human can do many, many things, okay? And in a sense, the technology innovation is allowing robots to catch up on a lot of that, okay? Yes. You yes. saw in the early days about playing grandmasters at chess, okay? We were actually debating this earlier off, um, off screen about actually in the project that you're doing, and actually, so a lot of robots can sit behind cameras, for example, right? And then they can see and they can understand what things are. Yeah, they're not, they as, lovely. They're not they, as lovely as this lot, well, I can tell you. But they can't be the creative. So right. they can't be the creative, they can't be the thought driver, okay? That's really where AI is going very heavily in the future, okay, so but it's not really there. that today. Are you, are you saying robots can't be creative? They can't be creative in the same way that humans can, no. Correct. Okay. They can be Correct. trained. All right, what else? But they what else can't them. they do? They can't cut your hair, for example. <laughs> Testimony to that. So tell me, <laughs> what else? Because we need to think about our role, because I'm thinking, what advice am I going to give my two daughters, right? They're going to make their mm. way alongside. It's man and woman with machine. But help us think this through, Namisha. I mean, I completely echo what Gavin says. It, you know, I think I read somewhere that in our fourth industrial revolution, when we have so much of machine machines pervasive in our life, actually it's going to push this entire creative industry to form, which involves mm -hmm. musicians and artists. And mm -hmm. you're seeing that NFTs are an element of artists being able to express mm -hmm. themselves in the digital world. Mm -hmm. It's going to go the same way with music, yeah. with anything creative. So I genuinely think, tell your daughters to get more creative. Love it. So, so Ketan, on that, you're betting on human plus tech. So if we talk about the human edge, where they will always beat the... Wh where is that edge? spontaneity mm. more than anything else. I mean, the, the fact that right now we're programmed in a way we can make an immediate decision and go left rather than right, something that robots can't do because they are programmed 
by us. So I think what you've got to look at this is ro robotics, RPA, all of this is actually to add value in, uh, in our lives mm. rather than take over what we're actually doing, which is why we've had this argument from, from the beginning. Don't fear robots. They're not taking over your jobs. They're actually increasing the capacity of what we can do. Got it. And it's exactly what Gavin says. It allows us to be creative. Got it. So, so um, I'm looking just for our final two or three minutes. I'll come down to this front row. Danny, forgive me, I don't want to exclude you because you're afar. Did, did you have a take on the very simple question of the future role of humans? <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't have a great answer, but I was just, I was just imagine, imagining this whole conference with everyone replaced by robots. Um, yeah. and, and what, what we, we get out of that? Well, that is a very good question. I can, I, can see, I can see Scott English, the creator of Elite Business, musing on that. Or is it Scott English, though? That's the question. All right. Um, a question on the front row, please. So I'm Beenish Lukman, uh, founder of Biofertilizer Company. And my question is that, can we train robo robots with sympathy? You, mm. you can't. So far, we cannot train them to respond in an emotional way, but there is a lot of AI that has learned how to read human emotion, so much so to the point where it's being utilized to tackle mental health mm. uh, on social media, mm. like being able to interrupt and tell people what you're about to look at is going to affect your mental health. So it's gone as far as knowing how to read you as a human, but it's not gone as far as being able to respond the way you would mm -hmm. as a human. And that's the differential to me, that's the Absolutely. edge. Yeah. And, and, and I suppose the coffee conversation is, can anything synthesized be real? And, and, and we, must, we must think it can, but we could, we could talk. Maybe, maybe that's for dinner, actually, because I think about it now. Um, OK, so, so we're at time. That's disappointing, because I've really, really got... Have you got your mind buzzing from this? Would you, agree? Would you say a huge thank you? That's entirely thanks to this brilliant group here. Thank you. OK, so this is uh, very, very snappy now. Thank you very much. As they get to meet uh, Hannah Previtt face-to-face, I sign off uh, with Danny uh, Stefanik. Thank you very much indeed, Danny. Now, we've got quite a snappy hand over here. Uh, Hannah, XR, Metaverse, VR, what did you make of that? Wow, my head's spinning. I don't know about you, Ollie. And I know you've been dying to talk about the Metaverse. I feel <laughs> like you were like on the edge of your seat there. You've got a bit giddy with all of the tech chat. I, I am actually very, very stimulated by that. And um, I love the real examples as well. Yes. And, and I loved that point about it doesn't have to be high, high tech uh, to play. That barrier has seemed a bit lower in my mind than it did at the start. So, mm -hmm. uh, Hannah, over to you. And uh, please continue that brilliant conversation backstage. Thank you, Hannah Previtt. Thank um, you. Thank you, Ollie. And I think you're absolutely right, actually, what Ollie was saying there about kind of tangible examples. So when Danny was speaking as well, using VR for training and things like that. So it's kind of the application of the technology rather than technology for its own sake. Um, so I would like to invite Gavin up to the stage first. Sorry. Out of the out Hello. of the fire into the, no out of the frying pan into, into the fire, fire. yeah exactly. <laughs> Although I'll try not to be too fiery. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Very excited to have you here with me. Thank you. So let's talk a bit about robots. Okay, please do. Tell me what's the most exciting robot encounter you've had? Okay, so let's first of all define what these robots are, because yeah. uh, I remember when I first joined UiPath and the family member saying, so you're actually working for a company that's physical robots. This is not physical robots in factories, these are what we call software robots, mm -hmm. okay? And software robots do lots of really clever things. They help an awful lot of people in both people and in society, and effectively it's all about the value that they get by taking away 
the mundane. So what we really focus about is accelerating human achievement mm -hmm. and really helping people, whether in the call centre, whether they're a HR operative or whether a finance director, to really take away and make sure that all the right understanding is given to them in order to make great decisions, in order to make their lives really valuable so they spend more time with their customers and their employees. Mm -hmm. And lots of us, we don't realise that we're interacting with robots, right? So in those examples you gave, when you're dealing with your bank, for example, exactly. there's, uh, that's all integrated into it already without you even really realising, right? Correct, absolutely, yeah. And, and that's the beauty of it. We don't want people in many ways to think either this is a human or it's a robot mm -hmm. experience. It's just a great experience in a customer experience way. And the great things about robots is they work 24 by 7. Mm -hmm. They're far more accurate than the human mind. Mm -hmm. And they, in many ways, if they're fed by very clever things called AI engines, then they can make a very, very uh, good set of comprehensive decisions. But absolutely, it's familiar and it's just making sure it gives that great customer experience. So uh, just quickly, what do you think is the last kind of hurdles remaining for this kind of technology? Is yeah. it about that perception piece, like, I don't want to talk to a robot, I want to talk to a human? Is it still that? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it is that. As you say, many people don't understand. I mean, I'm a person that enjoys being in the digital world, and I remember one of my uh, decisions for which bank I'm going to use, it had to be a digital experience, and it had to be something where I could actually get something very efficient when I call the call centre, OK? Mm -hmm. So the actual thing is that I don't think that's a concern. Mm -hmm. It's actually, and there is, there is no envelope to this, there is lots of next generations. So if you take something called semantics, okay, so semantic is actually having a robot understand what type of document they're looking at or what type of vision they see through a camera. And that's really important because then it can start to give intelligence. Mm -hmm. The second then is how we combine with AI engines. So we work with a great um, French supermarket at the moment where we help them with stock replenishment. So they look at it, they see the stock replenishment of the bottles and we're able to inform them in the supply chain of what they're able to do. So the thing is there's no challenges, it's all about how we take this and mm -hmm. obviously from the last conversation how this starts to come into the metaphor. All very exciting stuff. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, yeah, no but problem. thank you so much. Thank really you. great to meet you. Okay. If I could have my next uh, candidate up, please. It feels like an episode of The Apprentice. <laughs> Hi, Namisha. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am very well, thank you. So what I want to ask you is kind of a follow-up to that. Do you think we have the skills we need in this country to make all of these exciting things happen? Because it's all well and good having all this kind of cutting edge technology. Mm. But if you haven't got the computer scientists, the other people that we need to make this happen, it's tricky, isn't it? It is. But I think we have to remember Britain is the birthplace of the Internet. You know, Sir Tim Berners-Lee is British. He mm -hmm. invented the Internet. So... There's a lot of science already established in this country around where we're going in the next 100 years or 200 years. So if you spend time with those sorts of scientists, they already have a vision for that far ahead. So no, I think we have all of the skills. I think where we lack is the translation of those skills into you know, these new generational places or around getting them into young people's hands so that they are part of this future. And especially seeing a balance in both male and female developed technology because, as you know, mm -hmm. um, we don't want to live in a world where all technology is just developed by men. It would not really be inclusive. Mm -hmm. So we want to ensure that a lot of young women and girls are also getting into this space and encouraging them to be part of this revolution mm -hmm. as well. And how do you see your role in that? Because obviously, you know, you're a, you're a senior person, you know, you've had an incredible career. Do you think 
as a woman, you know, it shouldn't always be about us, but there is an element of passing the baton on, isn't there? Doing some mentoring and seeing how you can help bring up that next generation. Absolutely. I refer to that as we are the middle. So we are the people in between those who've done a lot versus mm -hmm. those who've not yet got there. And we have a huge responsibility both to learn from those ahead of us and also pull those behind us along. So yes, that's a big part of my work. You know, I work with a lot of young people to ensure that those skills gaps keep being fulfilled so that we see a better world form in front of us. Amazing. That's so inspirational. Thank I'm you. afraid that's all we've got time that's for, right. but thank you so much for thank joining for us me. here today. Thank, thank you. you. And last but not least, <laughs> come and join me on this mark here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. You know what? I nearly got a headache reading through your LinkedIn profile because <laughs> you have done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just give anybody watching at home who doesn't know who you are, just give a really quick kind of potted history. Uh, okay. And how would you describe yourself now? Are you like portfolio man? Uh, no, I've, um, well, David Cameron once called me a disruptor, so uh, I, go with, I go with the label chief. We can't disruptor. always believe everything he says, though, <laughs> let's be honest. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, potted history, very quickly. Uh, background, IT, electronics, healthcare, 2008, lost my job from healthcare, went into self-employment, started a uh, up a couple of uh, different agencies, sold a business, business failed, moved into the sort of training development space, um, built up Enterprise Lab, which uh, operates across 26 countries. And, um, and then I've kind of flirted with different businesses in different sectors uh, as an investor, uh, sort of accelerator mentor. Um, to where we are today, where um, I'm really trying to push into the creative industries and see how digital for good and tech for good could be uh, manifest around the world. Do you think there's a fine line, isn't there? I think somebody on stage said yesterday, um, business is the business of doing business. You know, that, this idea that you kind of, because you need to create profit to then be able to go and do good, do good stuff, excuse me. Yeah. So, you know, getting the business model right, do you set up a for-profit organisation? Do you set something up as a social enterprise? Yeah. As a charity? Is yeah. that something that you've had to navigate? Um, yes, and it's something that I've, um, I've had to always kind of instill in all the people that I, we work with in that kind of social enterprise. Space. I think the most important thing for anyone to think about is entrepreneurship and, and stuff like this is all about doing good and adding value. But whatever you do, you've got to be able to make money because it's the money that allows the operation to actually mm -hmm. flow. So as long as you've got a balance between building a business model and structure that's going to monetize, that allows you to reinvest that money into doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. you, uh, you're always going to be able to fulfill uh, your aspirations and then go off and make the impact that you want to. Amazing. And so you mentioned before about mentoring. Have mm. you ever had a mentor? Yes, I've got uh, many mentors. I've, uh, I've also been responsible for building a lot of mentoring platforms um, over the years. So I've did a lot of work with Lord Young on, on the Mentors Me stuff. And we've, uh, I, I've built some uh, programs for EIT and MIT in terms of how to build, uh, get mentoring in. Uh, I think it's a valuable uh, process. It's something that everyone should consider having a mentor in their life, whether it's for their business or for their own life itself. And how, so we get asked this a lot, and I've asked a couple of speakers this over the last couple of days, yeah. obviously they should use your platforms, right, to find a mentor. Of course. But, you know, how, how do you do that? And also, does it always have to be a formal arrangement with a mentor, or can you just grab a coffee with somebody who inspires you and take something from that? 
I think it's, it, it, yes, I mean, obviously, you need some form of platform and process to be able to um, match people together. Um, but I think we don't have to be as that sophisticated. I think people out there believe that they've got to be of um, a wealth of experience to become a mentor. But that's not, uh, that's not the point. I think you can be an expert in anything. And what expertise is, is just years and years of experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we hear that you, once you've done 10,000 hours of something, you are an expert in this. I think, you know, keeping it simple and making sure that, um, that there is workability between the two, trust, um, that you can actually be open, but ready to absorb anything that is going to be told uh, to you in a way that you're not being judged. Um, is very important as well. So one of the first things that we normally say to people who are looking for a mentor, don't just kind of look for a mentor because of their status. Make sure that you're uh, focusing in on how important it is uh, they are to you. What is it that they can take um, you on a journey on to, you know, to where you want to be? And why that particular person? I think it's important whether you go to the Stephen Bartlett's of the world or, uh, or, or anyone right now and say, will you be my mentor? The first thing they want to know is, what can I do to take you where I want, you know, where you want to be? And mm -hmm. that's the first bit that mentees usually find very hard because they get starstruck with, mm -hmm. with particular things. I think Sherry Coutu was talking about this yesterday in, in terms of, you know, she may not be the right person within her network, but she'll know others that mm -hmm. can. So get to that point as quickly as you can. Mm -hmm. What is it you want and where is it you want to go? That's really, really great advice. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Really great to meet you. I hope you'll stick around. Um, and that builds perfectly, I think, actually on what Sherry was saying yesterday about having a specific question in mind. So if you're approaching a mentor or somebody you admire, somebody you want to connect with, asking them something specific rather than perhaps asking if they want to get a coffee or, or what have you might be a better approach. So I'm going to hand back over to Ollie in just a moment. Ollie, are you there? I am here, Hannah, and uh, absolutely resonating with that conversation there with Ketan on mentoring. Mm -hmm. I was with, with Chelsea yesterday, the founder of National Mentoring Day, and uh, her reflection exactly, be, from time to time, be specific. What is it that you want someone to mentor you on? Re really, really powerful. Hannah, by the way, what was your top takeaway from the uh, our Metaverse conversation? Well, I think it was, it was about the kind of direct applications of these technologies. You know, think about how it can apply to your business or, or, or the product or service that you're offering. Uh -huh. You know, it's great to draw inspiration from around uh, and, and listen to all these incredible stories. But actually, yeah, what, what is the real application, if there is any, for your business? Yeah, and more importantly, Hannah, or as importantly, will Elite Business Live 2023 be in the metaverse partly uh, or wholly? I hope not, Ollie, because I, <laughs> I love to see your cheery face in real life. <laughs> exactly. Well, will my eyebrows be any smaller in the metaverse? That's really uh, <laughs> what we're wondering. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, Hannah Previtt, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Ollie. Uh,